Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter 10. When I awoke the next morning, Jason had already left to play his Saturday morning round of golf with his two partners from the architectural design firm. It was after nine. I was surprised all the kids were still asleep. A welcome treat, as normally they'll be up at the break of dawn. Rays of sunlight invaded the haven of our bedroom through the skylights in the ceiling. The sun is the only major drawback to having a house with dozens of skylights. It's beautiful, but can become a nuisance sometimes. As long as I get to see my stars at night, it's all good though. When it rains, it's so sexually stimulating. Then again, most things are sexually stimulating to me. Unfortunately... After Jason and I proclaimed our undying love for one another in his drawing room the night before, it was followed by yet another sexual disappointment. After he fell asleep, I snuck into the bathroom, sat on the countertop, and masturbated with the dildo I kept hidden behind the cleaning supplies in the lower cabinet until I came. You don't have to hide them. That would change everything. Like, honestly, I'm, I'm just saying there's a way to fix this book. Lying there thinking about it was bringing on an episode of depression, so I decided to get up and get moving. I called Brina, my partner in crime, and asked if she wanted to take the kids and hang out someplace for a little while. Well, we didn't need to know she was your partner in crime. You described her as your best friend all the way through her book. We don't need a reminder. It's not like they're doing episodes in this book. I am. As expected, she was wide awake and down for whatever. We decided to hook up in about an hour at her place. I took a quick shower and got dressed. I woke the kids, who had all been bathed the night before, got them ready to go, left Jason a note on the fridge, and headed for Brina's. When we got to Brina's, her ass wasn't ready. I could hear the shower running in her apartment as I was knocking. I opted to retrieve the key she always hid on top of the emergency lamp in the building corridor rather than wait for her to finish. The loafers I had on were killing me, and I wanted to rest my feet for a while. The kids and I bum-rushed into her place. I turned on some Saturday morning cartoons for them and went into her bedroom just as she was drying off. Girl, hurry your ass up. She jumped, obviously unaware we were already inside. Damn, Zoe, you scared the hell out of me. Sorry, sis. I didn't mean to freak you out. When she dropped the bath towel to the floor, I was staring at her body. Not because she was sexy. Lord knows I'm strictly dickly. But because her arms, shoulders, and rib cages were all covered with bruises. 
I quickly shut the bedroom door, anticipating the highly emotional conversation we were about to have. Brina, are you out your freaking mind? You're still letting Dempsey skank ass beat on you? Brina started throwing on clothes faster than her runway model changing clothes between appearances on stage. Zoe, he doesn't mean it. Sometimes he just has a rough day at work and, and shit happens, you know? No, I, I don't know. I don't. That's a horrible excuse. Yeah, shit happens. When I catch his ass, he gonna find out what kind of shit happens when he mess with my best friend. I was fired up. I couldn't believe she was letting his limp dick leprechaun midget ass beat on her. Dempsey was this little trick Brina met at a nightclub, which was hint number one she didn't have any business with him. Add to that the fact that he was unemployed 90% of the time, drank more vodka alone than a Russian football team can drink altogether, and had five kids by four different women, and you have a shitty ass excuse for a man. One of those scrubs TLC's always singing about. A sexually repressed, childish, raunchy, useless bastard. Okay with the acronym, I don't think that's what scrub stands for, but is it? I don't know. I, TLC, uh, somebody at them on Twitter and ask if Scrub stood for something. And we'll see. They might have adopted this as the answer, though. You know, this book came out a while back. Brina was almost completely dressed in a black sweatsuit, comparable to the jeans and cardigan I was bumming around in for a Saturday escapade. I turned on the TV in her bedroom, hoping to drown out our voices even more so the kids wouldn't hear us. Then I got medieval on her ass. Brina, let me tell you something. You're too good for that trick. He's a fucking waste of oxygen. Zoe, look, let's not start this shit again today. Let's just go hang out like we planned. Hang out? We need to be hanging out the damn emergency room. Look at your ass. I walked over to her, attempting to console her, and she flinched due to all the pain the bruises were causing. I took my index finger and pressed it against one of her ribs, and she collapsed on the bed, bent over in pain. Sis, I think your rib is fractured. I reached for the telephone, but she grabbed the receiver out of my hand. Who you calling? Jason? Hell nah. Jason's playing golf and he can't help you anyway. I'm calling an ambulance. And then I'm calling the police so you can file charges against his trifling ass. This shit stops now. Today. I read somewhere that um, if you have a friend who's stuck in an abusive relationship... And you keep demanding that they break up with them. And you keep making ultimatums and stuff like that. You are in essence no better than the person who is abusing them. Because in a way you're abusing them as well. Like you got to let them come to that own realization on their own. You got to let them take those steps on their own. And I read. I think that it took like seven times for somebody to leave their abuser. And I know that you want to jump in and be helpful and all that, but sometimes we just got to sit back and hope it plays out in their favor. But what do I know? This is a book. Brent and I started having a tug of war over the phone, and I almost accidentally knocked her upside the head with it before I wrestled it away from her. No, Zoe, you can't call the police. He'll kill me, sis. I hesitated for a brief moment, letting the words sink into my head, and then I replaced the receiver on the cradle. My voice suddenly went from a holler to nearly a whisper as I sat down on the bed beside her. Kill you? She started sobbing, and I got her a tissue off the nightstand. Brina, 
Has he threatened to kill you? No reply. She blew the mucus out of her nose and pretended she didn't even hear the question. Where is he anyway? Dempsey caught the bus home to Alabama for the weekend. It's homecoming at his alma mater. Oh, I didn't know what to say. I was worried about Brina, and at the same time I wanted to kick her ass my damn self for being so stupid as to stay with him. That's abusive language right there. Everything that this woman says that isn't sexual is I want to kick somebody's ass. From like the very beginning of this book, and I pointed it out before, but it bears repeating that she has an abusive language, which is going to lead to abusive actions. Part of me wished I knew a voodoo priestess I could call and arrange for Dempsey to be fatally bitten by an Alabama black snake. That would have put an end to it all. Zoe, girl. She jumped up from the bed, walked over to the dresser, and looked in the mirror while she applied some lipstick. Let's just get out of here and enjoy ourselves. It's a beautiful day out, and the kids don't need to be cooped up in here. I picked up the phone again and started dialing. Zoe, I thought I asked you not to call the police. I'm denying whatever you tell them, so it's a waste of time. I'm not calling the police. I'm calling Jason at the country club and telling him to come pick up the kids so I can take you to the hospital. The line was busy, so I pressed down the reset button and started dialing again. Zoe, I'm not going to the hospital either. If you're wondering why she's not using her cell phone, it's because when this book was written, there were minutes. Yeah, that was a thing. Like you had 400 minutes on your phone. And that was it. And yeah, 400 minutes is like five hours. You might have had free nights and weekends if you were lucky. Niggas used to be like, yo, I'm going to call you at 10.06 p.m. Because that was when the free nights started. While it was ringing, I got pissed off for real. Listen, Brina, you may have convinced me not to call the police for now. But your ignorant behind is going to the hospital if I have to rope and gag your ass to get you there. I had Jason paged, and I was waiting outside Brenda's apartment building when he pulled up in his Hunter Green Land Rover. After we got the kids buckled in, Jason followed me back up the walkway to the entrance so I could fill him in. He was more anxious to get his hands on Dempsey than I was, but I told him the trick of beat Brenda's ass and run like all punks do. We kissed each other goodbye said I love you, and I watched him pull off with the kids before I went back inside to get Brina. So where are Jason and the kids going? Home? We were in my car on route to the hospital, and Brina was trying to discuss any and everything but the matter at hand. Nah, he took him to Family Adventure Fun Park, that place over in Southwest that had the balls to jump in, crawling tube, arcades, and all that. Cool. The sun was irritating my eyes, even with the sun visor down, and I was nursing one hell of a migraine. Brina, you do realize you have to end the relationship with Dempsey, right? She rolled her eyes, smacked her lips, and turned the radio volume up to a ridiculous level. Can we just talk about something else, please? Hell no. We're going to talk about this. I turned the radio completely off. That fool has got to step. He's nothing but bad news. When does this all end? When he uses it as a punching bag one time too many, fucks around and kills your ass? You're tripping hard. You just don't understand my life, Zoe. Then enlighten me. Please. I almost ran a red light, but was able to screech to a halt just in time. Good thing, too, because there was a police car right behind me. 
You and Jason have this this fairy tale life. You've always had it. Shit doesn't come easy to me like that. A good man is hard to find. And you think Dempsey's a good man, Brina? Child, please. He may not be perfect, but he's all mine and he loves me. How can you come out of your face and say he loves you when he gives you a beatdown whenever the hell he feels like it? Think what you want, Zoe. I love him, and he loves me back. The entrance to the emergency was dead ahead, and I could see the flashing lights on an ambulance that had just pulled in. You need help, Brina. Serious help. And I don't mean the physical kind, either. I pondered over Brina's situation as well as my own while I waited for her in the crowded waiting room in the emergency wing. It was flu season, so people were hacking and sneezing all over the place. They almost sounded like a snot chorus. It was disgusting, not to mention unhealthy. To most people, I guess Jason and I were living a fairy tale, but they were on the outside looking in. Then again, Jason thought we were living a fairy tale too. I was the only one who could distinguish fantasy from reality. The ironic part is, I had planned to tell Brina about everything that afternoon, asking her to help me overcome my man problems. I was going to tell her how I would leave my house pretending to go one place, but end up someplace where I had no business, committing adultery I had never planned on in my wildest dreams. Instead, I was waiting for the doctor to patch her ass up, administer painkillers, and ask her a bunch of questions we both knew she had no intention of answering truthfully, if at all. I decided there was no way Brina could help me when she couldn't even help herself, so I decided against confiding in her. I would just pretend to be the happy, successful, content woman she wanted me to be. Ain't that a bitch? This wait is way too long, Brina, I complained, standing near the entryway of the Cheesecake Factory on Peachtree and trying to stay out of the way of people coming in and out. Zoe, I just checked in with the hostess a minute ago, and she said there's only two parties ahead of us. Calm down. Brina was standing so close to me, I could feel her breath on my cheek. She had that hospital ethyl alcohol bleach smell all over her. We rarely get to hang out anymore, just me and you. You always have the kids with you, so let's just have lunch and catch up. Catch up? I couldn't believe she was putting on her front like we hadn't just left out of the emergency room. The only thing we need to catch up on is why you still letting that Dempsey maggot open up a can of whoop-ass on you whenever he feel like it. Here we go. She darted her eyes around, embarrassed, trying to make sure nobody heard my last statement. Do you have to talk so loud? I realized I was talking pretty loud, so I toned it down a peg or two. I was still pissed, though. Brina, I have a great idea. Let's just order Carrie out and head back to your place so we can discuss this openly and honestly without any interruptions. We can discuss it here, she interjected. I don't want to go back to my place right now. I'm sick of being cooped up in there every day after work. Why do you think I'm always so gung-ho about hanging out with you and the kids? My life is mad boring. I was on the brink of insisting that we leave regardless of all that. I just didn't deem it appropriate for us to be there in light of earlier events. Before I could air my objection, they called our name and led us to a table by a window, overlooking the Saturday traffic on Peachtree. Once we sat down and ordered a couple of margaritas, I decided to get all up in her business. Brenda, why are you so bored? Doesn't Dempsey ever take you out anymore? She looked astonished. As if the mere thought of a man taking a sister out on the actual date is unheard of in Atlanta. Take me out with what, Zoe? 
You know Dempsey has trouble holding down a job, and what little money he does make goes to child support. So you draw her best friend up to have literally, literally the worst possible relationship. You got her with jobless Nick Cannon. <laughs> and you draw her up like this because something bad is going to happen to her somewhere down the line. She's going to die from the abuse because she didn't follow your orders and leave him immediately. Something like that. Yeah. Child support or liquor? I replied sarcastically. Jesus Christ. Am I missing something here? Let me see if I have all this straight. He's a lazy alcoholic sperm bank who comes over to your place just so we can fuck you, beat the shit out of you, and then leave. You just don't understand where I'm coming from, she stated brazenly. Dempsey has a softer side to him that only I see. Oh, God. I mean, it's... But I swear she's writing her as a caricature. I swear. I chuckled, more out of anger than anything. I couldn't believe my ears. Brina, you deserve so much better than this, but you can't see it for some reason. You and I go way back. I reached over the table and gently took her by the hand. We're like family. You're the closest thing to the sister I've never had, and I refuse to sit back and watch you do this to yourself one more moment. Do what to myself? Allow a man to love me? Her bottom lip started trembling, and so did her hand. She tried to pull it back, but I tightened my grip. Zoe, I'm not beautiful and successful like you. The world is at your feet. You have a badass home, great kids, a mother who actually remembers you exist, and a fine husband who adores you. I wanted to scream out that I was just as tormented as she was, but her problems were more urgent. In fact, they were bordering on life-threatening, so I refrained from discussing my sexual obsession and the effect it was having on my life. I desperately needed to talk to someone. It looked like Dr. Marcella Spencer was my only choice, though. Brina was certainly in no condition to help me sort through my emotions. I'm barely making enough to get by, Brina continued. My mother's always asking me for money. When I'm with Dempsey, it's the only time I truly feel safe. No, she didn't say safe. It's not like I have men knocking down my door these days. I used to, though. You remember that, don't you, sis? You remember when I was beautiful like you? What the fuck? Like, what are we doing here? This... If this was being written today, and mental health was paramount, she would get her to a psychiatrist or a counselor or, or, or somebody immediately. But no, that's not going to happen in this book. We already know how she feels about uh, this. It's, it's really taken away from her opportunity to tell her about her sexual obsession. So that's not going to happen. That did it. I squeezed her hand so hard that I practically drew blood. Yep. You listen to me. You're still beautiful. You always have been and always will be. I calmed down a little and loosened my grip. I was so upset, I had to fight back the tears. Brina was always the confident one. People used to call her conceited in high school, but I would defend her and explain that she wasn't conceited. She was just convinced she had it going on. That Dempsey bastard has destroyed your self-esteem, and I'm not having it. I'll do anything to help you, Brina. Anything. Jason and I both would do anything for you. Don't you know that? She looked me over with the tear-drenched eyes of a child. I know you will. 
but I can't help you unless you tell me what you need. The waitress came back to the table and asked if we were ready to order our meals. I asked her to give us a few more moments. We had yet to even open up the menus, and those menus are huge. Like, I've never seen a menu that big. I mean, it's one thing to be able to make everything, but when you offer everything, it's like, yo, and everything in there is just so unhealthy. Like, yo, gosh, sorry. Once she walked out of earshot, I continued. This is the first I've ever heard about any financial problems, Brina. Why didn't you ask me for any money? I could never do that. Why not? That's what friends are for, damn it. I don't want you and Jason giving me handouts. I know how hard it was for the two of you to get to where you are. Apparently, it wasn't hard at all. It just took a sleeping baby on a man's chest and boop. I watched your dreams come true right before my eyes, and I can never take away from that. I molded over for a moment in silence. I never realized Brenda could be so damn stubborn. Okay, fine. I won't give you anything. I'll make you earn it. Brina looked at me, full of confusion. Come work for me. It's the perfect solution, and we could spend a whole lot of time together. She started chewing on her bottom lip, lost in thought. I don't know about this, Zoe. I don't want to mess up a good thing. I've been in my company for a while now. And they haven't promoted you, giving you a raise, or done a damn thing for you except give you a bunch of aggravation. I smiled at her, hoping to encourage her to accept. Besides, I pay well, and you won't have to fight with me to take vacation time or to leave early or anything. If you had this, and you knew she needed it, like if you had this job available, and she's your ace boon, why not before now? I don't know. She laughed. That's true. My boss, Mrs. Green, could be a mean old heifer when I asked to leave even an hour early. So now all of a sudden her office is problems. Like, not all of a sudden, but... You could have offered this to her before. You just didn't. So accept my offer then, damn it. But all I have are secretarial skills, and those aren't all that great. Do you even have an opening at your company in the first place? No, but I'll make one up. I'm the owner. I can do whatever the hell I want. She still hesitated. I don't have a personal assistant. I never have had. But now that I think about it, I could surely use one. You can go visit artists with me and hang out at galleries and art shows, do power lunches. You would love it. The waitress came back again, about to cop an attitude since we were taking up table space and not eating. I could understand it. Business is business and tips are tips. The Cheesecake Factory was packed since it was a Saturday afternoon. We finally put the waitress out of her misery, glanced over the menu, and ordered a couple of grilled chicken salads with blue cheese dressing, some cheese toast, and a basket of chicken tenders. Well, I asked, giving Brina my undivided attention while we waited for the food. What's your answer? Let me think about it, okay? Now was my time to be confused. Think about it? Do you know how many sisters would jump at the opportunity I just offered you? Yes, she replied, giggling, but I failed to see the joke. I'm just not sure I can deal with you as my boss. You're my best friend and all, but I know your temper tantrums better than anyone. And when we get into it, we really get into it. I remember how you and Jason used to go out at it all the time when we were kids. I'm offended, I stated, even though she was right to an extent. I'm strictly professional at work. Now, as far as me getting into your ass about trifling things after hours, 
that's still a free-for-all playing field. Like I said, let me think about it, Zoe. Either way, thanks for the offer. I wouldn't expect anything less from you. You're always there for me. I dropped it. In fact, I dropped everything. The money issue, the work issue, the Dempsey bastard issue. We enjoyed our lunch and got caught up on insignificant things. Once I dropped her back at her place, I asked to use her bathroom before I headed home. I can only imagine her surprise when she discovered the check for $5,000 I left on her vanity. I left her a note saying she better not even mention it, and she better cash it, or I'll be mad at her ass. Hmm. This is after she said that she don't want any handouts from you. You secretly leave a handout for her and then say you better cash it or I'm going to be mad at you. I don't know why that irritates me so much. I Maybe I'm overthinking it. I also told her not to dare thank me for it because that's what friends are for, but urged her to give some serious consideration to my job offer. I was hoping she would see things my way and accept. Chapter 11 it's nice to see you again, Zoe. Dr. Marcella Spencer was setting up her tape recorder when I entered her office. After she had it all hooked up and ready to catch my dirt, she came around the desk and shook my hand. Nice to see you again, too. It was Wednesday, five days since our initial conversation. How are you? Have a seat. She motioned to the same wing chair, which was destined to become my home away from home, and I gladly sank into it. I was exhausted from being treated like a sex object during my creeping episodes and from the added stress of worrying about Brina. I'm making it. Hmm. Making it doesn't sound too positive. You want something to drink? Coffee? Tea? Water? Maybe a soft drink? No thanks. She was being extraordinarily friendly, and I began to wonder whether she had been fiending all week, anxiously awaiting to hear about the sexual escapades that a freakazoid slut that she had as a new client. Zoe, do you want to stay in the chair or use a chaise this time? I'm fine right here, Marcella. Thanks. She grabbed her pen and pad, ready to jot down all my sins, but I had no intention of having another panic attack. The thing with Brina had made me realize one thing. I needed help just as much as she did, and it was time to get it. So, Zoe, shall we begin? She was all ears. Sure. I rubbed my eyes both of them having bags underneath them from lack of sleep. Where should I start this time? Well, I basically know about your relationship with your husband. You were quite frank regarding your lack of satisfaction sexually. There was a silence, and I waited for the other shoe to drop. It did. When you were leaving last time, you mentioned you were having three extramarital affairs, which I'll assume is what you need the most help with. I answered her sarcastically. Um, yeah, you could say the fucking three other people is the heart of the problem. I regretted the way I came off at her and immediately apologized. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take my frustration out on you. There's just been a lot of shit going on in my life lately. I understand. Believe me, I do. Really? Yes, and whatever I don't understand, we'll work on together. Trust me, Zoe. There's nothing you can tell me that'll make me think any less of you. I'm here to help. Her hand started trembling, and I got the distinct impression she was more nervous than I was. I guess a woman who fucks men like she changes panties will make anyone uneasy. So I began. 
I love Jason and my kids dearly. They're my heart and soul. I only wish they were enough to fulfill all my needs. I have three regular lovers other than my husband. Each one gives me something different. For months now, I've tried to stop this madness, but I can't. My addiction to sex has taken me over. I see. I hate when you spill your guts out and someone says, I see. It makes me feel like they're either bored, skeptical, or appalled. I got up from the seat and walked over to one of the windows. I don't know what my fascination is with looking at the sky, but I definitely have one. Maybe I missed my true calling to become a weather forecaster. It was cloudy that day, and the sun was about halfway tucked for the night. While I love Jason more than life itself and would die if he ever found out, he's never been able to satiate all my sexual desires. He's very old-fashioned and thinks a man should have total control in a bedroom. Jason believes in very little foreplay. He'll only have sex with me in the missionary position. He'll only have sex with the lights off, and he's totally against oral sex. I brought up the subject of anal sex once, and he almost had a heart attack. All of these things are fixable. All of them. There are literally, literally thousands of therapists who can help you out with that. You just have to communicate. Each and every one of those issues, fixable. I promise. <sighs> so you decide to seek fulfillment of your needs someplace else. I took a seat on the Chase Lounge and laid down in Marcella's office for the first time. The secrets I was about to reveal to her had tormented me for so long. While it might be painful, it was going to be a great relief to get it all off my chest. Because we fell in love so young, I'm the only lover Jason's ever had. As far as he knows, the same is true in my case. Up until a year ago, Jason was, in fact, the only lover I'd ever had. Then the madness began. Chapter 12 I was attending the opening of a new public high school when I first met Quentin. It was a magnet school, specializing in the performing arts, and Quentin was the artist commissioned by the city of Atlanta to paint a mural in the cafeteria. Quentin Matthews was renowned throughout the world, and as an arts dealer, I was very familiar with his artistic talent. I had seen his picture once, but it didn't do him justice. When I arrived at the opening, I was late, and the mayor had already done the traditional ribbon-cutting ceremony. A business associate, Rebecca Swanson, had invited me, and before I made it ten feet into the cafeteria, she greeted me with a huge smile and a glass of champagne. Meeting Quentin Matthews was my main reason for attending. At the young age of 30, he had already reached legendary status as a contemporary artist. I was hoping to sweet-talk him into letting me produce some of his originals as prints and add them to my sales collection. The mural Quentin designed on the cafeteria wall was nothing short of breathtaking. It depicted dozens of teenagers, of all ethnic groups, involved in various activities. Everything from ballet, to playing musical instruments, to portraying Shakespeare on the stage. As I walked along the wall, pausing to glance at each scene, I shuddered to think how many hours it must have taken to create such a masterpiece. I also wondered what kind of man had the vision and creativity to commit himself to such a task. It reminded me a lot of Jason, the time and effort he put into his architecture. The high school wasn't the only place I had seen Quentin Matthews work up close. His creations were all over the city. My favorite was the one of the Atlanta skyline on a concrete wall in a downtown MARTA station. 
I used to go down to the station, just a few blocks from my office, sit on the bench and eat lunch. The murals seemed to have a calming effect on me, and sometimes even an arousing one. I have no idea why, but I somehow equated his creative nature with sex. Then again, I equated most things with sex back then. Maybe that's why I was such a huge fan of his, and perhaps the real reason I wanted to meet him was curiosity. Not about his work, but about the man himself. Curiosity might kill most cats, but it made the cat between my legs purr. Awful, awful writing. When I got to the section of mural depicting a group of ballerinas with their arms neatly folded over tutus, standing on the hard toes of ballet slippers, I felt someone breathing down my neck. You like the mural, huh? His voice was deep and distinguished. I didn't turn around. I assumed he was one of the several hundred patrons who had come to the opening to see how the generous donations were spent. I don't like it. I love it. Quentin Matthews is a great artist, isn't he? Mm. If you say so. I didn't like the sarcasm in his voice and quickly spun around, ready to defend my favorite artist and confront the arrogant son of a giga monster who lacked a true appreciation of his gift. Listen, he's... I froze. Yes. He's... he's what? I must have had the most ridiculous look on my face, because I was damn sure embarrassed when I realized I was face to face with Quentin Matthews himself. Mr. Matthews! I grabbed his hand and started shaking it like a political science major, who's just snatched up the opportunity to meet the President of the United States. It's such an honor to meet you. He stopped shaking my hand, but refused to let it go when I tried to retrieve it. Instead, he lifted it up to his mouth and kissed it. One problem. What's that? We haven't officially met yet, Miss... It's Mrs. Mrs. Zoe Raynard. I flashed the wedding ring on my other hand at him, as if I needed to provide some form of physical evidence to support the statement. I was really tripping. I was used to meeting men, but I was acting like a nervous teenager around Quentin Matthews. Damn, just my luck. I noticed he was still holding my hand and pulled it away, pretending I needed it to prevent my purse strap from falling off my shoulder. The good ones are always taken. I started blushing. Hell, who wouldn't blush with a man that damn fine paying them a compliment? Like I said, I had seen this picture in the newspaper before, but damn! Quentin was about 5'11", green eyes the color of emeralds and a clean-shaven bald head. His skin was the color of burnt sienna, smooth and flawless, and his smile was perfect. He was sporting a dark gray double-breasted suit with a crisp white shirt, unbuttoned just enough for me to see the baby fine hair on his chest. I was so busy checking his ass out, I didn't see Rebecca approaching. As a matter of fact, he was checking me out too, and making no bones about it. Zoe, I'm about to leave. Bobby's running a fever, and the school just paged me to pick him up. Rebecca could have been calling out the winning numbers for that night's lotto for all I cared. Okay, Becca. Take care, girl. She gave me a quick pat on the arm. All right, girl. Take care, Zoe. I realized how rude I was being. Hold up, Becca. Have you met Quentin Matthews, the muralist? Yes, we've met. They shook hands, but nowhere near the seductive way he and I did. Nice to see you again, Quentin. Your new mural is the bomb. Thanks for the compliment. While he was thanking her, I was trying to sneak a peek at the bulge in his pants. 
I snapped back to my senses. I knew good and damn well I had no business thinking about another man's dick. Zoe, I really have to run. Rebecca was already halfway to the door, bumping into a waiter and almost causing him to spill a whole tray of drinks when she yelled out, I'll call you tomorrow. I waved at her. She disappeared from our view. Mr. Matthews, I really have to be running along also. Suddenly, I was scared to even be near him. Aw, so soon? Yes, my husband will be expecting dinner at a certain time, and I still have to stop at two different places to scoop up the kids and all that. I understand. Domestic life must be hectic. Don't let me keep you. He was talking to my breasts and not my face, which made me even more uncomfortable. The black dress I was wearing didn't seem that revealing, but he made me seem like I was working the corner in the red light district. Well, nice meeting you, and once again, I really do love your work. Thanks. I started walking away, feeling his eyes on my ass, when I remembered the business proposition I had come there to make in the first place. When I turned around and headed back towards him, he started grinning. My lips were forming the words when he inquired, Let me guess. You want me, don't you? I felt like hollering, hell yes, but managed not to. Actually, I want to talk with you about the possibility of marketing some of your work. Hmm, is that right? His eyes started exploring my body again. Well, we can definitely discuss it if it means I get to see your fine ass again. That did it. My nipples got hard and my pussy got wet. Here's my card. I pulled out one of my engraved business cards and handed it to him. Whenever you can find the time in your busy schedule, I'd appreciate it if you can call me so we can go over what I have in mind. Well, I already know what I have in mind. I started blushing while he glanced at the card. An art stealer, huh? Yes, exclusively African-American art. Cool. Thanks, and I look forward to hearing from you soon. I zipped my purse back up. It's no rush, though. I realize you're in high demand. How about tomorrow morning? Say, nine o'clock? My place? I was shook. My lips were trembling, and his eyes held me in a trance. He dug in his pocket and handed me one of his cards. I looked at the address of his studio and made a mental note that it was within walking distance from my office. Nine tomorrow will be great. Thanks. My pleasure. He took my hand and kissed it once more. Well, I'll let you get back to your other admirers. I didn't mean to hog your attention. Not a problem, Zoe. I can I can call you that, right? Please do, Quentin. Damn, on a first-name basis already. I wonder if that meant hellified sex was right around the corner. I was leaving, trying to get out of there before my mind went even further into the gutter than it already was. When he grabbed me around the waist from behind and spoke softly in my ear. You cannot begin to imagine the things I want to do to you. He took my earlobe into his mouth, small hoop earring and all, suckling on it for a brief second until I freed myself from his grasp. I hauled ass towards the door, face flustered and heart pounding so hard in my chest I could actually hear the echo of it ringing in my ears. I glanced back at his fine ass one more time. He was still staring at me. He held my business card up to his well-defined lips, smelled it like it had been hand-dipped in fine perfume, and used it to blow me a kiss. 
I daydreamed about him all the way to the twins' daycare center, more worried about what might not happen the next morning than what might. I got home, threw a couple of Cornish hens in the oven, told Peter to go do his homework, popped a cartoon video into the great room VCR for the twins, and then went to my bedroom and locked the door. I laid there on the bed, fantasizing about Quentin Matthews while I masturbated and hoped I would come before Jason got home. I came three times in 20 minutes and would have come at least three more if Peter hadn't knocked on the door, informing that he had broken the lead off his pencil and couldn't find his pencil sharpener. Chapter 13 Jason, I whispered, trying to wake him up gently by rubbing him on the shoulder. Still half asleep, he answered. Yes, yes, boo? I need to talk to you. He opened one eye, set up just far enough to glance the alarm clock on my side of the bed. So it's... It's three in the morning. Can't this wait until later? No, not really. It was storming that night. One of the worst lightning storms of the season, and the weather center had issued a flash flood warning. The lightning was coming in from all directions and appeared to be dancing on the carpet. I couldn't fall asleep and my life depended on it. I was like a bitch in heat. My pussy was fiending for some action. Jason took a deep breath and propped himself up on his pillow. You want to talk? Okay, let's talk. Sup, boo? I want to make love. He sighed. Zoe, we made love less than three hours ago. Can I just get some sleep, please? He turned over on his stomach, his head facing away from me. I have an early day tomorrow, baby. What I should have done at that moment is tell my husband the freaking truth. I should have told him that, even though I love him and would take a bullet for him, I needed him to be more sexually open and willing to try new things. I should have suggested we seek counseling. I should have told him I started masturbating way back in junior high school and have been doing it ever since. I should have told him about all the sex toys I had hidden throughout the house and at my office. I should have demanded he try harder to fulfill my needs and desires. I should have forced him to listen to me for a change instead of just brushing me off when there were the conversation turned to sex. Instead, I lay there, listening to the thunder, watching the rain and lightning, and praying I wouldn't get in trouble in the next morning when I went to discuss business with Quentin Matthews. I don't know how to say this, because, you know, output and input are two different things. The way I send it out may not be the way it's received. But, masturbating at a young age does not mean you're going to be a sex addict. There, that's it. I knocked, even though the door was already ajar. Mr. Matthews? Come on in, Zoe. I entered the studio, which doubled as his apartment, at exactly nine sharp. I didn't see him, but I could hear him moving around the loft upstairs. Hello, good morning, am I too early? No, right on time. He appeared at the top of the steps with nothing on but a pair of silk pajama pants. He was wiping the last some shaving cream off his face with a towel when he came down the steps to join me. Care for some coffee? I'm, I'm fine, thanks. I have enough nervous energy already. I don't need caffeine to exacerbate it. You're just a little energizer bunny, huh? I smiled. Yes, but I hardly ever wear pink and, and, and I don't own a drum. We both laughed and then he motioned me towards the leather sofa. Have a seat, Zoe. I sat down, putting my briefcase on a marble coffee table in front of me. I made sure I brought enough information with me to try and sell his ass on the idea the first time around. Well, you may have natural energy, but I need coffee. 
I'll be right back. I watched him walk into his kitchen and then took a quick survey of his place. It was awesome. I assumed he was buying the space because just about every wall had a mural on it. They were all magnificent, and he had a set of crates covered with black velvet in one corner. I figured they were used for people to sit on and pose while he spent hours on end painting their portraits. I noticed there was a canvas on an easel and decided to try and be nosy. I went over, lifted the oilcloth covering the piece, and looked at it. I was surprised to discover it was a portrait of the governor. The state must have commissioned him to do it for the state capitol building. Quentin made him appear so lifelike, it was unreal. The studio was located on the top floor of an old department store warehouse downtown, which had been renovated and turned into huge lofts. There was only one other tenant on this floor, located at the other end of the hall. Hmm. Inquisitive, too. I like that in a woman. I didn't notice he had returned with a steaming hot mug of coffee in his hand. Sorry. I replaced the cloth. I guess I was a bit out of line. It could have been a portrait of your woman or something like that. Well, for future reference, I don't have a woman. He started looking me up and down again. At least, not yet. I turned towards the window, away from him, so he couldn't see me grinning from ear to ear. Oh, wow. Oh, wow, what? I walked closer to the window so I can get a better look. The mural you painted at the martyr station, it's right across the street. Yes, it is. In fact, that's how I came across this condo. They were renovating the building when I was working on the mural and well, you know the rest. Cool. I didn't realize you were right across from it. I go there a lot and eat lunch, but I approach it from another direction. He took a sip of his coffee. So close to me by that time, I could hear him gulp it down. Why do you go over there and eat lunch? I didn't know they had a restaurant over there, unless you include the hot dog vendors on the corner. I giggled and looked back at him. The sunlight was hitting his green eyes and I almost fainted. Very cute. No, they don't have a restaurant. It's just that my office is not that far away and, and, and I love the mural, so I walk over there and eat the lunch I bring from home. Walking is good exercise. From where I'm sitting, you don't need any exercise. Well, since you're standing and not sitting, I'll take that as an almost compliment. I brush past him, catching a whiff of his aftershave and the soap residue left over from the shower he obviously took before my arrival. Shall we get down to business? I sat down on the sofa, opened my briefcase, and started pulling out the presentation folder I rushed to prepare that morning, since I had no idea he would agree to see me the very next day after we met. Hold up. He put his hand on top of mine, pushing the folder back into the briefcase. Basically, you want to take some of my works, turn them into marketable, affordable prints, and then sell them through your arts business. Yes, that's exactly what I want to do. Now, if you'll allow me to show you some figures I worked out, we can... Don't worry about it. I trust you. And we can do this. Huh? I was shocked. You're agreeing to it just like that? Yes. I made some phone calls last night and checked you out. It's all good. Anyways, I was thinking of doing a venture like this for quite some time. I was ecstatic and had to keep myself from jumping up and doing cartwheels. Well, I don't know what to say. Say it's a deal and we can work on all the figures at a later date. I reached for his hand to shake it. Deal. 
he held true to form and kissed it instead. Well, I'm sure you have a lot to do today, so I'll get out of your way. Thanks so much for the opportunity to market your work for you. I closed my briefcase and got up, headed for the door. He followed me, grabbed me by the elbow and swinging me around. Just a sec. Why are you always running away from me? I'm not running. Don't be ridiculous. Damn shame he was so right. I just know you, you have things to do. I pointed to the canvas on the easel. Like painting the governor and awesome things like that. Hmm. Well, you know, you're not the first person who's asked me to do this whole business thing. I never thought of it that way. A man as talented as he must have received offers on a daily basis. I looked him in his sexy, mesmerizing eyes and asked, Then why'd you tell me yes? He started pressing up against me, and I backed up until I ran out of space and my ass was pinned against the wall. Zoe, I was hoping you would do something for me as well. Talk about being a nervous fucking wreck. I wasn't sure whether to ask what he wanted or not. I was afraid I might like the request a little too much. Really? Yes, really. I could feel his breath on my cheek. What might that be? Let me paint you. For a moment, my mind registered him saying, let me fuck you. Wishful thinking, I suppose. Paint me? Yes, paint you. He took his hand and removed a piece of lint off my black tweed business suit. You're so beautiful. I want to paint you, free of charge, of course, and I want to hang the portrait of you over my bed. I started stuttering when his bare chest pressed up against my hard nipples through my blouse. What, um, I mean, why do you want to do that? As long as there's a breath in my body, I will never forget the next words he spoke to me. I want to paint you and hang it over my bed so when you're here, we can make love underneath your splendor. And when we're apart, I can behold your beauty and satisfy myself just by the mere thought of you. My lips started trembling and I began to feel lightheaded. Maybe all of the blood rushed my throbbing pussy like it does to a man's dick when he becomes aroused. Hell if I know. All I did know was my ass was about to be in a world of trouble. I had never thought about fucking another man before I laid eyes on Quentin, and I should have run. I should have never been there in the first place. But I was there, and he was real, and the desire to be with him was hypnotizing. When he kissed me, I tried to push him away. Okay, I tried to push him away with just a teeny bit of effort. His kiss was soft and deep all at the same time. It reminded me of the way Jason used to kiss me way back in the beginning. He reached down, picked me up, and pressed my back against the door. I straddled his legs around my back. My pussy was so freaking wet. Our kisses got more profound, and I should have stopped him. Looking back, I realized there were so many things I should have done differently. I'm so ashamed about what happened next. He carried me over to the sofa, laid me down on it, and traced a path down my body with his mouth, pausing to gently nibble on my covered nipples. He pulled on them, one at a time, with his teeth, and I could see my breasts expand through my silk blouse as he moved his head back and forth. I sat up and tried to put my feet on the floor so I can get up. We can't do this. I'm married. Not happily. If you were happily married... You wouldn't have kissed me. Yes, I'm very happily married and I have to go. This just isn't right. Nothing has ever felt so right. You know it and I know it. You want me just as much as I want you. He started rubbing my thighs 
and pulling off my lace top thigh high silk stockings. Just lie back and relax, baby. I would never hurt you. That was it. The moment I realized I was fighting a lost cause. My mind was saying no, but my body was saying yes, and my body won by a landslide. I lifted up my hips so we could pull my black lace panties down over my legs and off. I made one last attempt to at salvaging my cheatless marriage record by whispering, Please. Then I buried my head into one of the toss pillows on his sofa, drowning my moans in it while I had my pussy eaten for the very first time. 916-633-1537, wretched and ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. You can leave a review on Spotify, it takes like 13 seconds. You can also leave a review on uh, Podchaser, copy and paste that into Apple Podcasts, and then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. One dollar will get you a ton of content. Uh, you can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. You can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. Outro to Ratchet Book Club is by that kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is single simulcast.